0: You're about to listen to another inspiring word from House on the Rock Church, the London Lighthouse. For more information and interaction with House on the Rock, please visit our website on hotr.org.uk. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. This has been the text that we have been using throughout the the, the series so far. You're going to be blessed Um, as we conclude the series on discoveries, on discovery. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 to verse 21. Let's rise up on the reading of God's holy word. Ephesians 1, 15 to 21, in honor of the second person of the Trinity. All right. Um, Even those of you that are home, on Facebook, on YouTube, in your living room, in your bedroom, can you get up for a moment, you know, shake off that distraction and that sleep and get ready for God's word. And we read together from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 to 21. Therefore, I also, after I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, Towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he walked in Jesus Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the, in, in the heavenly places, far above all principalities and power, might and dominion, and every name that is named, Woo! not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. You may be seated briefly in the presence of the Most High God. I don't want to keep you standing up for too long. In this text, we see that there are four key discoveries that Paul was praying that we would come into. Majority of Paul's prayer for the saints were always prayers that you may know. So we see four discoveries that he wants us to have. Number one, he wants you to discover God. Number two, he wants you to discover who you are in God, the hope of your calling. Number three, he wants you to discover your great potential, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And number four, he wants you to discover your power or God's power towards us, who believe. In our journey of discovery so far this month, we have gone through the first three key discoveries, which is the discovery of God, the discovery of who you are, and the discovery of your potential. And this final Sunday, we want to delve into the final discovery, which is the discovery of your power. Somebody say, Power. Yes. Paul talks about this power. He says that we might know the exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe. He describes this power as being exceedingly great. This is not minute power. This is not measured power. This is great power. And just in case you didn't know how great this power is, he describes what this power has already done. He said this is the same power that raised Jesus back from the dead and seated him at the right hand of God the Father. Not Just above, but far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and has been given a name that is above every other name, not just in this age, but even in the age to come, forever and ever. This is how great the power is. There is no power like this power, and he says, This power is available to those of us who believe, and therefore this is unrealized power to the majority of believers. The subject of my preaching, my teaching, my sharing this Sunday morning is unrealized power. You don't know how powerful you are. Let's pray. Mighty Father, I ask that you send the anointing that makes preaching, teaching, sharing your truth easy, that you'll cause my tongue to be as the pen of the ready writer, that I might inscribe upon the hearts of the men and women that are listening to me virtually or in person, your living word. And by reason of that word, may they be elevated to a new level of experience within you. Cause our unrealized power to be realized today, I pray. Who Cause there to be an unleashing of great power in this house. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we do pray. And the people said aloud, amen. Amen. And somebody say, unrealized power. And you might tell your neighbor, you have unrealized power. You have power that you don't even know, know about. You are far more powerful than you thought you were. There is much more to you than meets the eye. You are not defined by what you are going through, what you've been through. Uh, Anybody that is trying to completely, totally define you by what they see has made a huge mistake. Now are you the sons of God, yet it does not appear who you are. There is greatness in you. There is greatness in you that we have not seen before. You have more capacity than you know. Ah, uh, yes, because he said that he will not allow anything come your way, that you will not have the wherewithal to be able to handle it. So he, if he hand, allows it into your space, it means that you have everything you need to be able to handle it. I don't know what's going going on in your life right now, what challenges you might be facing, but I want to let you know that you have capacity Capacity to handle it because God is faithful. If He allowed it, it means that you have what it takes to handle it. That jobless situation, you have what it takes to handle it. That challenge in your relationships, you have what it takes to handle it. He's put great capacity, great resource, great innovation, great creativity, great answers within you. This is untold potential, and it is about time that you tap into that potential. Now we've already come to learn last week Sunday that the potential is not so much what is in you, but who is in you. Because Colossians in chapter 1 verse 27 says that Christ in you, the hope of glory. Because Christ is in you, you have limitless resource and potential in you. No longer, no wonder John says in the book of 1 John that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It is time to unlock your untold and your untapped uh, potential. That's what we preached. That's what we taught last week Sunday. We're moving further this Sunday. Now, in the book of 2 Timothy and chapter 3 from verse 1 to 5, Paul starts to tell Timothy about the last days, and he starts to give him characteristics of the behavior of people in the last days. I don't have the time to delve into that, save to go to verse 5, and he tells us about a particular category of people in the last days. He says that this category of people in the last days will have a form of godliness, uh, but denying the power thereof from such people turn away. He's saying that in the last days, we'll have people that will look godly, uh, but they will deny the power thereof. We're living in a day and in an age where there's an increased pressure upon us uh, to divorce the gospel from the power of God, to present the gospel as simple philosophy, school of thoughts, ideologies, but with no real power to to effect change in the lives of people. Oh, yes. Godliness without power is just religion. And God did not come to give us religion. He came to give us a relationship, a relationship through which great power could be displayed. We cannot afford to deny the power of God, no matter how ridiculous it might seem to say that there is divine power available today. Ah, let God be true and let every man be be a liar. The word of God cannot be broken. If he says there is power, it means that there is power. Uh, Paul wrote to the book of in Romans, in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God to those who who believe. He says that the gospel is power, and he says, I am not ashamed. Can I preach to somebody this Sunday morning? You cannot afford to be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why should I be ashamed of the gospel of Christ when it is the thing that has saved me, that has delivered me, that has lifted me, that has healed me? And now the world is trying to make me ashamed of such a gospel or rationalize it or make it seem like it is power that devil is a liar. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Is there anybody like me under the sound of my voice that is not ashamed of the gospel of Christ? If it's you I'm talking about, go ahead and give God the praise. You see, the teacher in me is Always want to teach and to explain. That's the teacher in me. I hardly can allow an opportunity to teach pass me by, and I won't seize it to start to share one thing or another. I want to teach the hows, the whys, the whens, and the whats. But there are some things that don't abide explanation. What they need is manifestation. Is anybody hear me, what I'm saying? There are some things that don't abide explanation. What they need is manifestation. And maybe it's because we don't have so much of the manifestation of God's power anymore that we have now found solace in explanations. There's a place for explanation, doubt it not. That's why there are teachers in the body of Christ. But there is manifestation that is also essential. We've got to be able to hold these two things in balance. Good teaching, but good um, performance or manifestation of the power of God. In fact, when you read about Jesus, they, they tell you that Jesus went around teaching and healing. So, he wasn't just teaching, he was also displaying the power of God. Can I announce to you uh, that we are not of the company that has a form of godliness that denies the power thereof. We fully embrace the power of God. The kingdom of God is not without power. For anything to be established, it will take, uh, it will need and it will take power. First Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 20, for the kingdom of God is not in word, but in What power? The kingdom of God is advanced uh, with and by power. Matthew 11 and verse 12, for from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffered violence. Another translation says that the kingdom of God is forcefully advanced and the violent take it by force. Not physical violence, spiritual violence. The kingdom of God takes power even to be advanced, even for it to take ground. Uh, To advance in your life, you need power. Is there any under the sound of my voice that realizes their need for power. Uh, Paul himself says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4 to 5, he says, For my speech and my preaching were not in the persuasive words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and what? And of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So Paul is saying that, look, as much, and you know Paul was, was... intelligent this guy this guy he wrote the larger portion of the new testament he he knew how to settle whole whole um, disputes with just the stroke of his pen yet though he had such intellect and such wisdom he said that no i know that this has to be accompanied with power we've got to be hungry for the confirmation of god's power In our life, listen to Jesus Himself when He talks to people. He said that if you do not believe Me for the word's sake, why don't you believe Me for the works' sake? For the fact that the power of God is on on display. Here, When John the Baptist sent a message to Jesus to, to ask uh, whether he was still the one because he was in a valley of doubting like we often would go through, Jesus said, tell him what you see, that the blind see, that the deaf hear. In other words, the power of God is on display. Let that be an encouragement to him. We need the power of God to be on display in our gatherings, in our lives. We need to have faith and expectation and um, press into the power of God. In the book of first. first Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 5, it says, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were amongst you for your sake. Our gospel is not meant to be in word only, but also in power. We need power. Hallelujah. And so I now start to look at another interesting angle to this, and I saw that Um, Newton's first law um, in physics is called the law of inertia. How many people know the law of inertia? Okay, just in case you didn't know, the law of inertia says that a body is, if it is at rest or moving at a constant speed in a straight line, it will remain at rest or keep moving in a straight line at constant speed unless it is acted upon by an external force. (laughs) He says that if a body is at rest, it will remain at rest unless it is acted upon by an external force. If a body is in motion in a straight line, it will remain going in that straight line into perpetuality unless it is acted upon by another force, an external force. In other words, change does not take place without the intervention of force. Change does not take place without the intervention of power. In the book of Ephesians and chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, listen closely. It says, For you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. According to the course of this world. So, there is a course that this world Was and is already on. If an object is moving in a straight line, unless acted upon by an external force, it will continue in that straight line. The object here is the world, the world is already on a course. And unless it is acted upon by another force, by the intervention of power, it will remain on that course towards the natural end of the course. And let me tell you, that end is not good. The world and man was and is in a natural course of decay, degradation, and decline it's in a natural state of chaos uh, the constant clash of wills and vested interests and selfish aden- gen- agendas only create more cre- chaos without without the force of law the world would remain in and progress in increasingly increasing conflict and chaos You know, one of the remarkable things about the United Kingdom, um, particularly if you come from other places where there isn't a strong rule of law, yeah, you come in here and you see people obeying traffic rules. You, you see people stop at the traffic light. You see people do the things they're supposed to to do, and sometimes you wonder, that, who these people, especially if you're coming from other places where uh, uh, where the traffic rules are taken as uh, suggestions <laughs> that you choose to whether to obey or not to obey, until somebody was now having a conversation with me, I said, that, do you know that it, if there was not the force of law and the, 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 the consequence for breaking the rule fully in place, that even here, men and women would do otherwise. And when you consider it, the truth be told, some of us, you know, we, we drive according to the camera. (laughs) Hello, somebody. You know, some have become masters of knowing where the camera is, and they obey the law where the camera is, but where the camera is not, oh yeah, the natural course kicks into place. So we see that the force of law or the power of the law came in place to try to keep um, us in order to try to ensure order, peace, and prosperity. But in the day that we have lived in, live, live in, we found out that even the law is inadequate in doing this. It's not, uh, it's not pervasive. It, it can't cover every aspect. So we have uh, uh, that even natural law enforcement can be compromised and become systemically flawed. An intervention was and is necessary. The world of man was headed in a particular direction, course, and that course, was, that destination is called hell, and therefore it needed an intervention. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. The divine intervention, the introduction of power. Jesus was and is the divine intervention. Jesus was and is the unflappable force that interrupts the motion of sin. Natural interventions were no longer adequate. Supernatural intervention was needed. And I decree and declare that a supernatural intervention is coming into your life situation even this Sunday morning. That crooked paths are about to be made straight Rough places are about to be made smooth by the mighty hand of God. A supernatural intervention, a divine intervention was necessary. We need the supernatural. We need the power of God. But I came to tell you this morning, actually, that you already have it. That the power you are looking for without is actually within Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, far above all you could ask, think, or imagine, according to the power that is at work where? Within you. It's in you. You've got the power. He's saying that the the, the power is already within you. He said, Now unto God that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, uh, above. Or you could ask, think, or imagine God is able to do all of this, but he does all of this according to the power that is at work within you. Do you get me what I'm saying? It's not the lack of ability on God's part, it's whether the power within you is at work to unleash the exceeding of God, the the more than enough of God. Anything that is above what you could ask, think, or imagine means that it is above your realm of knowledge. God is able to exceed what you you know. He's able to do the unknown through the power that is at work within you. Ph- Ph- Philemon chapter 1 and verse 6, it says this. Listen, listen to what it says. It says that the communication of your faith may become effective by the acknowledging of every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. That the communication of your faith would be effective by the acknowledgement, your acknowledgement, of what is in you in Christ. The communication of your faith here is not beyond just the speaking of your faith, but the display of your faith. That for that to be effective, There has to first of all be an acknowledgement on your part of the greatness or of the the good things that are already in you in Christ. You know, we live in an age, and I understand why we use the languages like, you've got to believe in yourself, and we'll still use that language, but let me tell you the truth. Without Christ, there's nothing good in you. And if we are not careful, the, the doctrine of believing in yourself actually becomes an antichrist doctrine yeah. that starts to suggest that by yourself you can sort everything out. It's interesting the way Philemon put it when he says that the acknowledgement of every good thing in you in Christ is telling you that if there's anything good in you is in Christ. If there's anything good in you, it's in Christ. No, there is none good, no, not one. It is Christ in you that is now the the source of everything that is good. Hallelujah. You've got to acknowledge it. The communication of your faith cannot be effective without the acknowledging of every good thing that is in you in Christ... You have to acknowledge the power that is in you. The communication of your faith, therefore, will not be effective without the acknowledging that you've got the power. Help me tell your neighbor I've got the power. I've got power on the inside of me, hallelujah. Simply by faith in Christ Jesus. It starts with the acknowledgement of that power. It starts with the discovery of that power. This is what Paul's prayer was about in our pilot text, that you might know the greatness of his power towards us who believe. If you believe in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, then you've got to believe that that same power that raised him from the dead is available to you too today. We've got power backing us up. If this power is available to us, how then is it accessed? It is accessed by faith. It is accessed by faith. This we need to teach again. We need to go back to the place of believing God for divine interventions of His power. So in the book of Acts chapter 3, as I start to round up from verse 1 to 8, we read the story of this man that was lame from his mother's womb and was daily laid at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg arms of the people. He was lame in his feet. He could not go anywhere without the assistance of Others, All his days, this was the routine, to be laid somewhere daily and beg other people for help. He wasn't ambulatory. He was limited. He was caged. I'm talking to somebody this Sunday morning who has a similar experience in their life. You feel lame in your business. You feel lame in your relationships. You feel lame in your finances. You feel like you can't do nothing unless somebody helps you. He was being carried to the gate every day, the gate beautiful, yet he was in an ugly situation. And that's the story of a lot of us. We have ugly situations in a beautiful church. Beautiful church, nice aesthetics, but our real life situations are are ugly. And this was what he was going through. It was an ugly situation at a beautiful gate. He was in, a, in need of the intervention of power so peter and john were going to the temple uh, as was their custom to pray and they saw this man and this man saw them and he looked upon uh, peter and john uh, expecting especially when uh, peter said look on us so they were expecting to receive from them maybe some arms maybe some silver and gold but our god is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask think or imagine and God takes pleasure in exceeding your expectation. Uh, uh, Set your expectation high. God will exceed it. And then Peter said, silver and gold, have we not? He wasn't really saying that they didn't have any resource. He was saying that silver and gold is not the solution to your current challenge right now. Because sometimes silver and gold is only a temporal panacea, a temporal uh, relief. You know how it is, how we feel good. I like the therapy of some money in my pocket, but guess what, money goes. silver and gold have we not but what we have we give unto you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth arise and walk and he grabbed him by the hand and he pulled him up and immediately his ankles and his feet bones and his whole limbs received strength and the guy started to leap to walk and to run giving praise unto God this was an intervention of power I decree and declare that an intervention of of power is coming in your situation, is coming in your circumstance, even today in the mighty name of Jesus. An ugly situation does not become a beautiful situation unless there is an intervention of power. Later, when Peter and John were being asked, how did you do this? Ah, them looking on them as if they were gods. What did Paul, Peter say? Peter said, it's not us, it's faith. It's faith in his name. Faith is the access to the power of God. Faith in the power of God. Faith is key and access to the great power that is In us, if you believe, all things are possible to him that believes. It's time to realize the power that has been unrealized on the inside of us for too long. And how do you do that? You do that by faith. Faith is the key. Faith is the key. So I lay hands on you in faith, fully convinced, that the power of God goes into operation. Faith. Hallelujah. Whoo! Thank you, Lord Jesus. When Paul is talking about that you may know, he's not just talking about mental ascent. He's not just talking about mental knowledge. He's not just talking about revelation knowledge to have nice revelations and understanding of God's Word. Let me tell you what Paul is really talking about. He's talking about experiential knowledge. When Paul said in the book of Philippians that, that, you, that I might know the power of his resurrection, he wasn't talking about um, mental knowledge of the resurrection of Christ Jesus. He already had that. He wasn't talking about revelation knowledge about the resurrection of christ jesus no he was the major uh, 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 proponent of the power of resurrection so he had revelation on um, um, on resurrection when he said that i might know the power of his resurrection what he was talking about was experience it that i might walk in the experience of the power of his resurrection. And that's what I really want for, for for you. I want you to go beyond mental knowledge. I want you to go even beyond revelation knowledge. I want to bring you into the experience of God's power. And when you have a congregation of people, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am present there, that have... Faith uh, uh, founded on sound doctrine, uh, believing for God's power. The power of God cannot but be present there. Not just in mental ascent or revelation, but in manifestation. Hallelujah. So I decree and declare over your lives, whatever mountain you've been facing, whatever stronghold has been resisting, whatever thing has been pending and stubborn. The power of God is above every other power. This, The greatness of his power that raised Jesus back from the dead and seated him far above, not just above, but far above all principalities and power. Right now in the name of Jesus, I decree and declare that that power goes into operation in your situation, in your circumstance, whatever it is that you are facing. I decree and declare the yoke is destroyed now in the name of Jesus. He who the Son has set free is free indeed. Walk free of that bondage in the name of Jesus. I release healing, anointing now. Healing, 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 healing. Healing. Lord, healing. Let your healing flow. Let your healing touch. Let your healing correct. Let your healing raise up. Let your healing be the balm today. Lord, we believe you. We access your power by faith even right now. And we are set free in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Lord, I pray, I pray, I pray for experiential knowledge of your power. Beyond mental knowledge, beyond revelation knowledge even. Lord, I pull your people into the experience of your power. Whatever that situation is that you know you need an intervention of power, now receive it. Now receive your intervention of power. Now receive your intervention of power and now receive your intervention of power in the name of Jesus you end this year rejoicing you end this year with great testimonies you end this year with abundance you end this year with things that you can only say God did this in the mighty name of Jesus thank you Lord I give you the glory I give you the praise somebody go ahead and give god the praise right now hallelujah amen and amen i cannot but give an opportunity for somebody under the sound of my voice whether on facebook youtube or even in person here under the sound of my voice, that needs to surrender their life to Christ Jesus. We do this all the time because that's where our heart is, to see men delivered out of darkness into great light. If you believe with your heart and you confess with your mouth, you will be saved. So if you are ready this Sunday morning, and please be ready, repeat these words of prayer after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for what you have done. Thank you for the price that you have paid. Thank you for dying in my place. Today, I repent of my sin and I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. I believe with my heart, I confess with my lips, and therefore by faith, I am born again. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. And somebody shout amen and give God the praise right now. We hope you've enjoyed this uplifting sermon from House on the Rock Church, the London Lighthouse. We hope you've been informed and inspired. Join us for services every Wednesday and Sunday. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at H O T R London. Also, live stream our services on YouTube at HOTR London. For more information, visit our website on hotr.org.uk.